Super Talk Mississippi media production. Whether you're looking to start a career with no student loans or change careers to land one of the happiest jobs in the world, yep, that's construction, Build Mississippi can help. Visit buildmississippi.com to learn why a career in the trades deserves another look. buildmississippi.com. Your future is waiting. What is up on a Monday? I am Brian Scott Rippey, my co-conspirator, as always, is Colin Brister. We appreciate you hanging out with us on this Monday, June 24th edition of the Rebel Report. Um, it is the doldrums of summer. Not a ton going on. Some College World Series stuff. Uh, we're now six days away from NBA free agency starting, which is kind of not really true because it's going to start this week. Like, Sunday, next Sunday, Ju- July, whatever that is, is just the first time they could get a deal through. Or June 30th, I guess. Um, so we'll get into that some. Ole Miss got a couple commitments. Um, and then we'll just kind of see where this takes us. Not a whole lot to get to today, to be completely honest. What's up, man? Not much, not much. How did, uh, how did golf go on Friday? How, did, did, did you kill the course? No, it killed me, and I lost money. So I, I brought Ooh. up the rear. Um, yeah, I had to hit a ball out of a pond that was like halfway. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, not a less not ideal. So uh, yeah, not great, not great for the uh, golf game. Uh, course was in beautiful shape. It was a great day, like great venue. Um, but yeah, it uh, it it kicks my ass. I saw every piece of the course. It was it was not great. It was not Rip's day. No, it was not my day. Uh, but like, it was hard to get mad because we were out at like a you know top. I mean, that's probably the top golf course in the state. I mean, there's like Fallen Oak on the coast is really nice too. But that place is uh, pristine. They had it in really great shape. That uh, that tournament they're having there is a really big deal and should be a really big deal to West Point and all that. I think it'll be um, I think it'll be a cool thing. I mean, they they got a lot of people coming to that thing. So. Yeah, not exactly my day on the leaks. Um, I think Borky beat everybody. It, it was a pillow fight. Like, not everybody was very – everyone was not great, but uh, I was the worst for sure. <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, what, what tournament's coming there? The U, U, uh, U.S. Women's Am. So, like, it's, oh, that's right. Yeah, I mean, it's basically the U.S. Open for girls that are amateurs. Like, there's the U.S. Men's Am and the U.S. Women's Am, and those are the two biggest amateur tournaments in the world. I say in the world. There's European stuff, but, like – it's it's a big deal. I mean, they got people from like twenty five ish different countries. I think coming to that thing. I mean, it it'll be on Golf Channel. Like, it's a big deal. Huh? Is this the first year it's been there? N- no. Okay. The U.S. Women's Am. Maybe they had the U.S. Women's Open at Old Waverly in nineteen ninety nine. Um, oh wow. Yeah, and they've had some other events. Uh, so I think there's their fourth or fifth USG event. I think it's the first U.S. Women's Am. So. Um, yeah, it's a big deal. Like they'll bring a lot of people to West Point. It's uh it's it'll be awesome. They uh they always run a first class operation there. So where do we start? I uh I don't know, man. There's not Monday. A, yeah, it's Monday. There's not a ton of old miss stuff to get to, so they got a couple com- more commitments last week. They got a commitment from Joe Horn's kid, wide receiver out of Tupelo. That was kind of cool. Yeah, I know. I actually didn't know Joe Horn lived in Tupelo. I probably shouldn't have known either. that. I had a, uh, I had no clue. Um, yeah, not, not, not. Same here. Yeah, and so um, I'm trying to make sure we caught up on all of these commitments. But anyway, they're they're at like 13 or 14 this month, which is uh, which is pretty crazy. And they're I think they're expecting another one today. Robbie Ashford, a four-star dual-threat quarterback from. I forget where in Alabama he's from. He was, I believe, in town over the weekend. I think I'm pretty sure I have that right. And then he was. Uh, I think they're expecting him to commit today. So that's going to be their quarterback for the 2020 class. Um, 
and he's a, he's got offers from Alabama, Auburn, Colorado, Florida State, and Georgia right now. So a pretty pretty salty offer list, and I think they're expecting that commitment to come today. He's Hoover kid. I thought it was Birmingham Hoover area. Okay, yeah. So, so got him. Man, they've they've gone through a run of commitment, like to the point that there's not a ton of room left in this class, is it? Well. There's a plan. Like, there's from a couple people I've talked to last week. and the, So it was interesting. I, I didn't even really connect the dots until Ashford was here. Or, like, the Ash, it started coming up this weekend. But I was talking to a couple people in recruiting last week. And they were making it sound like, like, they were, we were talking about some different stuff. And they were making it sound like they already had a, a quarterback for the 20, like, this coming class, like, pinned, like, in, in the class. And so I, I think they've known for about, a, I mean, maybe more than a week that this was coming. Um, but to your point, they're like six. I think they're. They, this would make them at seventeen. Maybe it might yeah. be eighteen. I can't remember if 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 the yeah, horn kid changes it. But the point being, there's always going to be attrition on your roster and in the class. You know, like a lot of programs do this every year. Where you know, you kids offer, they commit, and that offer's not always there. Like there's going to be some turnover there. I think most of these kids, though, they're 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 planning on building the class around but there's a couple and like if you go through it you could probably figure out maybe who who might not have a spot in june or who might end up being elsewhere but i, I say all that to say there is a plan like they're they're saving spots for kind of the big prize targets they're going to go at down the home stretch like that's that's certainly been taken into account but at the same time i think they're excited about the momentum they're generating right now and like look recruiting is so fickle and i'm not sure where this class is going to end up wise but like I think, what you can tell from all this is there's a plan and there's a much more organized process in place. Yeah, well, that, that's for sure because there was no there was no plan under freeze. Uh, you know, it was just. Is that your uh, alarm? Yeah, it was, man. It, it's early. I'm not. I, I don't always get up this early, so I had to set an alarm. Oh no, I feel you. Just like, but you woke up 20 minutes for the alarm. That's impressive. Normally, I'm hitting that thing like 12 oh, times. No, 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 no. That's the third time I'd hit the snooze button. Ah, there you go. There you go. That's that's more on brand. Yeah. I'm a big, like, set the alarm for 630 guy when I have to be somewhere at 8 and then roll out of bed at 715 after I've hit it five times. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly who I am. And then, like, in, in, like, college, you, like, hit it four times. You're like, do I really want to go to class? And you're like, no. Yeah, I have a couple of days at the end of college where I was just like, you know what, I want to act like I'm productive today, so I'm going to get up at 8 or 730 even though I have nothing to do. And then it did, would never happen. I'd hit the snooze until like nine fifteen. <laughs> oh God! But yeah, it was. Uh, what was I saying about? Oh, the the, the class. They, you know, like like always, you you've got guys in that class that uh, that might fall out due to uh, other guys. But for the first time, like you said, it kind of feels like there's a plan in place as far as recruiting goes. Whereas under Hugh Freeze, it just felt like they were going off the you know the brim and and doing kind of whatever they wanted. There wasn't really a centralized plan. It wasn't just missing on defensive kids too. Like when he brought in those two new coordinators, it just there wasn't. There just wasn't an organized. Like I, I think McIntyre and, and we talked about this before. McIntyre and Rodriguez have kind of brought more organization with regards to all that. Even though they don't do a ton of recruiting directly, uh, Richrod in particular. But I, I think they're more organized, and I think that's a big credit to Siski as well. I think they're recruiting with more of an organized plan on kind of how to build a roster. Um, I think two, like I think the spirit ran something on Siski that I may have. I think I read where it was talking about how he recruits to like a a, a plan more so than like stars and ratings in these day right. and age where it's more volatile than ever. And like I, I get what he's saying. Like I, I agree with most of it. Like I think they definitely still pay attention to that stuff because at the end of the day, like the like this 
the numbers are there. Like the kids that are higher stars, like you get more of those, you have better classes, you have better football teams. But I get his point by not living and dying off it. Oh, sure, absolutely. And I don't think you should live and die off of it. Um, you know, you have to be able to trust your own evaluations and, and not let peop- other people do your work for you. Um, that's what you're paid a lot of money to do if you're uh, Matt Luke. So, yeah, I completely get that. And Look, I, a lot of people, you know, make fun of Disky or whatever. I think him and Chapman and, and all those guys in that room have done a really good job, especially lately. Oh, yeah, no, I would I would 100% agree with that. I uh, And, yeah, and it, it, it's more just like, I guess, I don't know, it just feels like it's more, I keep saying the word organized over and over again, but there seems to be more, more of a plan in place so they're they're kind of they got that going on it's interesting with the with with ashford if if that commitment does come through today which i'm pretty sure they're they're expecting that to be pretty straightforward like to me that's important for quarterback depth because that kid can play and so like like for the first time ever like old if old miss does it like if corral goes down next year who are you playing at quarterback that would be the Option number one. Would right? he really though? Like I, I, I don't, I don't, I, I'm not disagreeing, but I, we really get to September or whatever that is that in that Memphis game technically August. I don't. It doesn't matter when you get yeah. to the season opener. And I'm not saying like say the crowd tweaks an ankle. Is it really Ken K Dent that's the second string? I'm just asking. Like I, I mean, like I, like I didn't see enough from him or I didn't see enough from him or Tisdale in the spring game to be like, oh yeah, that either one of those is the backup quarterback. And then I have no idea what they have in Plumlee. I just think uh, coming out of spring, Dent was a little bit ahead of Tisdale, but, you know, that could change some heartbeat. So, it, I mean, it, to me, it's either Tisdale or, or Dent. I mean, they were there in the spring and know the playbook. So, I would think, I mean, what, unless you're going to do Jason Pellerin, <laughs> like, what else do you do? Yeah, that's true. So, Is I, Alex Daniel still there? What? Uh, <laughs> I'm not trying to be a jackass. Does it matter? Yeah, no, it doesn't. I just want to hear <laughs> I don't, I don't know. <laughs> um. So anyway, so they get Jacob Horn, and he's a three-star receiver. Two play the kids. Oh, maybe six-one, two oh five. He'll probably put some weight on. So that's a bigger, taller receiver. I don't necessarily know where that fits in with the mix. I think they have a decent bit of receiver depth, but it seemed like they were excited about getting him. Um. I think the other one they got last week was Ricky Wright, a Gadsden, yeah. Alabama kid. Is it? He's listed as an athlete. I'll be completely honest. I don't. I don't know where he would like where he's gonna play. Um, I may have made this up. Did I read like linebacker? Um, I guess I don't know. That's certainly possible. That's. I feels like I a, that up. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. So they're at what? Eight, that's eighteen now. I believe if I'm looking at this right. So I don't know. They got a good thing going. Um, it it feels like it's kind of things are moving in the right direction, and I don't know if that's just kind of pseudo momentum because they're getting a bunch of kids in the doldrums of summer and there's not much else to talk about but like i don't know if you judge matt luke based off the day after the 2018 egg bowl he's done about everything he can right well except one go ahead what am i missing the kobe dean oh well yeah okay i can't sure they didn't do well they didn't they didn't do well on the top talent in the state um but they closed okay in February. I was more talking about from like a, like a, like I like how much I know it all ultimately goes back to the head coach. But like I have trouble being like like looking like putting that square on Luke's shoulders. Like you didn't get Nakobe Dean. I was thinking more of a program management standpoint. But yeah, sure, sure. The them not closing that's perfectly valid. Them not closing on the top talent in the state and letting those kids get out of state 
in that early signing period was not great. But at the same time, once he gets both coordinators in place, it's been pretty good since. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, look, I don't think Matt Luke has done a bad job. I think he's done a pretty good job. Um, but at the end of the day, this, this is a scoreboard business, and we'll, we'll find out, you know, what Matt Luke's about probably here in, what, three or four months? Yeah, sure. I mean, they're going to have to win games, and they're going to – I mean, that's yeah. ultimately what's going to decide his fate. But it's been interesting to watch because what – when that early signing period happened, and I, I'm literally just being too lazy to look it up. That was... It's like, not good. No, no, I know that. I'm trying to think who was here and who wasn't. Like, was Mac was and Richrod wasn't, or they were both not there? I don't I think do. they had either coordinator in place. I, no, Mac was here. Um, I don't think Richrod was. Um, Mac had just gotten. So like well, but if you're Nakobe Dean at that point, why were you like I, I I'm not faulting the staff. I get at the end of the day you got to get the in-state kids, but if you're Nakobe Dean at that point, why are you going to Ole Miss? Well, I mean, it's certainly fair, but the kids, it's kind of like why why does Tony Connor go to Ole Miss? You know, I mean, he's a five-star kid from right up the road at the home. You would kind of think that you just have an advantage from being 35, 45 minutes from there. Sure, but they had a full staff in place back then and some momentum. I mean, I guess, but does, for a kid like Nicobe Dean, does the staff really matter? You're a five-star kid. You're going pro in three years. That's fair enough. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's certainly fair. I just, I, I, with with so much turnover that happened in the way the season ended, like I, I don't, I just, I don't know. I was never actually thinking he was actually going to beat Ole Miss. I know they were close. I know they thought, particularly leaving leading into the night before, they thought they were going to get him. Um, but, like, I, I just didn't – I don't know. I just never realistically saw it. Like, at that point with where the program was getting that top-end talent, I mean – so that was – I was – It's almost like something happened on signing day. Uh, yes. I, yes. I mean, you can read between the lines there. So, Mac was there. I just spent the last two minutes looking that up. Mac had gotten there December 10th. Uh, look, um, I'm having a complete brain cramp. Who replaced Jason Jones? Wait, what? What? Clark, right? No, Clark was Clark was there last year. I I, I was just thinking about that the other day. I just realized that, that he was no longer on the staff. They had to hire somebody to replace him. Was it was it Nick? No. Well, you, hold on. Now you're gonna make. So, so, yeah, it was Nick. They moved they moved Max to the secondary. Yeah, Nick's came in way later though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was Nick. So that's okay. my point. There's not enough staff in place for like, like. Like all that, like all those relationships you've been building to that point to try to get the kid, like then now they're not there. Like how does that? How how do you exactly get him there when that's the case? Well, they had Mo Harris recruiting him. Mo Harris was there. Uh, yeah, and so I've been told from a number of people <laughs> that that's been a big part of why this operation is running more smoothly. Because he's not um, there. Yeah, so you take that for what it's worth. Um, so yeah. Anyway, that's enough football. Um. And my point, my overall point was since the uh, since the end of the Egg Bowl, like I thought he's done just about everything he can. Like it's like I'd give him an A minus as far as an off season, I think. And I, I don't feel like that grade's too high. I think he hired two good coordinators. I think the organization's been there. I think they're starting to do the right, like not do the right thing. I think they're starting to generate actual momentum in recruiting that's not fake. And it feels like like I. I Obviously, you can tell I don't have the greatest memory in the world because this is five months ago, six months ago, and I can't even remember when Mac was hired compared to the early signing period. It's all kind of a blur. But, like, the message from recruiting feels different than maybe it did in December. 
And I think that there may be something to that while they close so well because it now, like in December, it felt like the cloud of like the NCAA and the wreckage of just Hugh Freeze program was still kind of there. It was dissipating, but it was still there. And then I think, I swear by February, it completely felt gone. Yeah, well, I mean, it, to a point, it kind of is gone, right? Like the bowl No, it's over. certainly gone now. That's my point. But I'm saying in December, like December 15th, during that crunch time period where you're trying to get early, like in the early signing period, like I don't think that I don't think it felt that way, and like honestly, like I'm I don't I don't know if I'm fully squatting on this take here, but did the early signing period in this particular year not help Ole Miss in that regard because they didn't have their ducks in a row as far as like program clarity and organization? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean it was it was it was something that sent them back because you know you're making staff changes in that first week in in December, and yeah, for sure, it it, it definitely was something that hurt Ole Miss. I wonder how long that early signing period is going to stay around. I mean, it's something for another day. But oh no, but, I think I think people like it overall. I think it, I think I think from people and coaches I've talked to, I think they generally like it because it takes all of the like it takes two months of work. Well, I say two months of work. I'm trying to figure out how to word this. They get kids putting their name on the paper signing, and they don't have to worry about it into January and February. It's like two months less of battle. And, yes, they are kids that hold out and kids that will wait until the February signing period. But I think it allows them to put more hay in the barn, I guess is the right analogy beforehand. I think they overall they like it. I, my point was is I'm just don't, I, I don't think it helped Ole Miss in this case. And so but, and now that I say that and I get to thinking of it, was that just kind of a necessary – I'm not going to like give them a complete pass on whiffing on all three of the state stop, top talent. But, like, was part of that a necessary evil? Not necessary evil. Was part of that necessary, like a necessary casualty to kind of get the program organized? Because he had to fire both coordinators. He had to massively overhaul the staff. Obviously, hiring a new staff takes time. Like, was that just part of it to kind of get a more solid, like, more, a better foundation for the long term? I guess is my point. Granted, it happened at a terrible time, but like, it was that necessary? I guess. Well, the thing is, like, okay, so you're saying that them not getting those kids kind of shakes the earth and they make staff changes and, and lay a new foundation and all that. But well, I don't know. I think the staff changes were coming regardless of those kids is my point. Well, what changes if they get those kids, though? Right? Like, that's, that's kind of my point. If all three of them sign with Ole Miss, does, does the same thing not occur over the offseason? No, no, it does. It's a, it's a It's a – I think I think you're missing my point. So like after the Egg Bowl, you knew that he was going to have to make massive changes, right? right. So yeah. that's not really the best time with the early signing period to make those changes, where you don't have a staff in place, like you like you have guys that don't know if they're going to have a job, things like that. During that early signing period, I'm just saying, was that like like he had to make the staff changes? So was that early signing period just kind of part of like a necessary casualty to kind of get to that foundation? Oh sure, yeah. I mean because. Obviously, the, the staff changes that were made were more important than signing, you know, certain four stars or five stars. Yeah, I mean, and I'm not the giving them a full pass on missing on those kids, but obviously, it's harder to get them when you have that much attrition on the coaching staff, and there's so much uncertainty at that time. And obviously, once they had the people in place, like they closed much better. So I wonder if you'll look back in three years, and if this turns out to be a success, that period was just kind of a necessary give and take type of thing. You know how you could avoid it that though. Tell them to get lost after the Egg Bowl in 2017. Okay, so that's a whole other conversation, but I, I don't, I, 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 it's fair, but it, at the same time, I can't, I, I, I personally can't fault Matt Luke for that. No, it's it's hard, and I get where it, Matt's coming from, but you're an SEC head coach, like, like you got to be cutthroat at some point. I think though he might have thought it could work. 
then that's the problem. No, not not really, because they, they, they scored a bunch of points at the end of the season. Longa's offense at the end of the 2017 season was working. Yeah. I mean, they were, they were scoring points on like, – State was a good defense. They scored a bunch of points at Kentucky on a defense that wasn't terrible. Like, it was working. They had a lot of momentum. They won a couple games. Like, honestly, the 26-6 I guess, the, what, the 17 season was like – I mean, they were if they beat A&M – like they, that team was really kind of on a roll towards the end of the year, and they could have beaten A and M at the end of it. And so, look, man, he's the interim. I don't think he ever thought he had a real shot at getting the job. I, I could be wrong about that. I think he badly wanted it, but I like it, it. You know, the writing was on the wall that they were going elsewhere. Then he gets the job, and you're going to dump the two guys that helped you get the job because at that point, that's not Matt Luke. Hey, I have a year of SEC coaching under my belt. Hey, that's Matt Luke. I'm trying to hold this glue together. Yeah, I mean that, that's fair enough, but. I mean, I don't know how you could – look, I know they, they scored some points towards the end of the year, but anybody that, that kind of understands football kind of knew that Phil Longo was not going to work out as an SEC offense coordinator as well. I think I think that's – I'm not saying it's fully revisionist history, but I don't think that's completely fair because that's Man. his first year – you started seeing it in 2018, though. You started seeing it when they played Alabama and they played the LSUs in the world, and you're like, oh, this stuff doesn't work against elite-level defenses. I don't think it's necessarily fair to say that in 2017. Dude, you could look at it against Cal and tell it didn't work against elite-level defenses. Sure, but that's them not making adjustments. But it worked after that is what I'm saying against better teams than Cal. So like, played, I don't think sport. it's – but it's the first year. That's another thing. It's their first year. Like I don't think like I, I don't think that's necessarily I don't remember what I'm saying is I don't remember people writing Phil Longo columns in twenty seventeen saying this offense can't work. There wasn't a one written. Yeah, okay. Well it, it was just obvious to me kinda after the Cal game that that uh Longo was kinda lost at sea because I mean that they couldn't move the football on a, a Cal team that was uh inferior in talent and look the, the State thing, and the Kentucky game was one that was really to his credit, but Mississippi State turned the football over like six times that night. Uh, I mean... But Longo that, scored when they did. Okay. <laughs> I mean, Jordan Wilkins busted a 50-yard run. I mean, like, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't give him too much credit for the uh, Mississippi I'm not State. giving him credit for that. All I'm saying is that at that... I don't think it's fair to say at that point, oh, we knew it wasn't going to work, because you're talking about Cal. That's the first Division One opponent they played in the Longo era. Like, that was his third game. They played somebody week two, didn't they? No, it was South Alabama, UT Martin, and then Cal. And wow. So, and you so... Just you just said South Alabama wasn't Division One. Okay, whatever. They're not... I mean, they're they're not good. But my point... But, but all, my, all I'm saying is, I, I think the Longo thing really reared its head at the beginning of 2018. We're like, okay, this stuff really doesn't work. Because you got to remember, at that time, yeah, they stunk against Cal, and then they got their brains beaten in by Alabama the next week. But they kind of looked better in the second half at Auburn. At that point, like you're not evaluating on him. Oh, can this work? It's like, can he figure this out? You're kind of to give him a learning curve because that's six games into his career. Now, 2018, he this is a long, convoluted way of saying 2018. He had to fire them. I don't fault Matt Luke for not necessarily axing them at the end of 2017 because it's like the loyalty thing it's them help their get this job i think he wanted some semblance of program stability for recruiting and i thought maybe he thought he could make it work because on the other side of the ball yeah mcgriff's thing wasn't working but taylor polk was playing linebacker yeah no i mean i get what you're saying but did anybody that like look phil longo was not going to be matt luke's uh offensive coordinator if he had his brother like, like Matt Luke is not going to run that type of offense. I think the one hundred percent. And guess who wasn't else either? 
What? Hugh Freeze. Like, if Hugh oh, Freeze no. had still been there at Longo, like, to your point, I guess, I guess where, where you're coming from, to your point, if if this was Hugh Freeze still coaching, I'm going to go down the list here. After that Alabama game where it's 36 to 3, I'll tell you how this happens. Okay? So you said they didn't make adjustments and it didn't work against Cal, right? Yeah. They get their brains beaten in at Alabama the next week. Then it's 35-3 to at Auburn at halftime. That Auburn locker room, that's where Freeze takes the offense back over and tries to make himself look like a hero, is it not? No. That's that's no. that's when he's like, here we go, this is my show again. Because no. no. that was the plan the whole time. Freeze would have called plays from day one. I, I don't buy for a second he ever gave up play calling. Oh, I don't, I don't know about that because I was talking to some people – and I, like, he gave it up in 15 to Warner a little bit, but once he fired Warner, I, th- I think he was going to call play. I th- so no, I think he wanted to look like – I think he wanted to look like a – I mean, think about how on brand this is. I think he wanted to look like the guy that saved the ship. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm being serious. I've talked to a couple people about this. I'm serious. I think he was going to let Longo do it for a couple games, almost knowing in the back of his head it wasn't going to work or at least you know not even really give him an adjustment period and then basically just snatch the card back from him and Man. be the hero. Look, I, I completely understand that from a Hugh Freeze ego perspective. I also don't think Hugh Freeze is that smart, though. Like, that that would be what would worry me. Is, is Hugh Freeze actually that smart? I don't know if it's a smart thing. I think it's a calculated thing, and I think he's 100% that calculated. Hugh Freeze does math. Anyway, we've gotten on a tangent here. Um, so, football program, couple, you know, obviously, couple commits. They've got the thing rolling in the right direction. I'm actually – I don't – look, I – I'm trying to figure out how to word this. I don't think they're going to be good, but I'm interested in this football season. I think it's going to be fascinating because of how much we don't know. Well, there's different kind of five and sevens. Like you can look five, go five. That's and definitely seven. true. You can go five and seven and look really good, and nobody, you know, look, people are going to be pissed. But you can go five and seven and look like crap and put, you know, be, be ready for your uh, execution when a UAD shot shows up too. Yeah, no, it's it certainly they're, the way they do I mean, optics, it was the same way last year. Optics mattered because, yeah, at one point, weren't they, wasn't this team 5-2? Five five and two? And yeah, that's right. <laughs> it was 5-2. and two. Like, optically speaking, it wasn't really 5-2. and two. You, you know what I mean? So, optics matter, I agree. There's a different, like, if they, there's different ways to get to 5-7. I would even say that way. People aren't going to like to hear this, but I would even say that way for 4-8. and eight. I know 4-8 and is hard to sell. Yeah, that'd be real hard. But if they beat someone at the end of the year they're not supposed to after really struggling early in the offense, I could see it. Yeah. Um, I just don't see them getting past much 5-7. and seven. Like, I think that might be... I mean, there's a... Realistically, I guess the ceiling, everything goes the right way, it's 7-5. and five. I just don't see that. No, I mean, you could you could tell me on 6-6. Six and six. I just, I think they go 5-7. and seven. I agree. I don't think... I don't think they're doing the 2-10 and ten thing. I think that's on no. the table. Like, things go really bad, that's possible, but I, I don't see that. What's more um, likely, two and ten or eight and four? Um, I think it's oh eight. god, I think it's eight and four just because they're not going to win two games. Like, like there's a zero percent chance of that to me. Um, I mean, dude, it's possible. <laughs> they're going to beat New Mexico State. They're going to beat Seattle. They're not going zero and like seven in these toss-up games, man. There's no way, right? Dude, you say that. I'm not. I'm, I don't think it's going to happen. I, I've just said this over and over again. But more likely than eight and four. Man, I can present a path to eight and four before I can two and ten. I mean, I think. King oh, King I can present a path to two and ten. You lose at Memphis. You lose against Arkansas. You lose against Cal. Good luck, buddy. It's off to the races. Well, it, 
Vanderbilt is also showing up here. Like, they do have to come play that game, and I don't think Vanderbilt's beating anybody. All right, I'll begrudgingly say 8-4. and four, eight and four. We've done 27 minutes of football, which is <laughs> honestly impressive. I don't know if that sucked. I don't know if that was boring. It, I don't know if people have turned this off by now. But this is where I'll wrap it up, because I want to do this segment at some point anyway. Give me the most likely game where Ole Miss can upset someone they're not supposed to, and give me the most likely game where they're going to be upset. Uh, Auburn, because Auburn could have quit. Um, okay, I actually like that pick. And then Vanderbilt, because while I think Vanderbilt's horrible, I just said that was almost the best chance to win. I think that's like the. I think that's really like the only chance at an upset, though, right? Like that's the only game that you're going to look at besides, you know, obviously New Mexico State and Sea Lions. Like, yeah, Ole Miss can be favored by seven or eight points. So to me, that's kind of really the only shot at an upset of them, bro. We were sure, and like I wasn't even like we could have worked around the Vegas upset definition because like I wouldn't call Memphis an upset, but like that's a game like Ole Miss needs to win that game. But I actually agree. I think it's actually both Vanderbilt and Auburn because the one of the things about Vanderbilt too is if look, man, if they struggle, like say they go one and two against Memphis and Cal and Arkansas, like in that stretch, and they're two and two or whatever at that point and Alabama just beats their brains out, that's going to be difficult to get back up the next week. They're going from Tuscaloosa to play Vandy. And, hell, you saw, you've saw you seen kind of that effect before when they've beaten Vandy. I mean, when they, they went over and beat Alabama in 2015, and a horrible Vanderbilt team hung with them for three and a half quarters at uh, Vaught-Hemingway the next week. Yes, they did. I was ready to lose my mind. Yes, that was uh, – so, like, you've seen the effects. I think I agree. Um – for just to be different, I, I, I like the Auburn pick. I was going to pick that too because that's November. There's no telling what happens with Gus by that point. Um, A and M, I like. I think they're going to be better, but you get them at home in mid October. Yeah, maybe. I, I don't. I don't necessarily see it. But if you're pointing, like if you're pointing at upsets, like I don't see LSU. I think LSU is going to be a lot better. There's just not really that many left there because you know you're not beating Alabama. I mean, you want me to pick that? Pull the Barrett Salee. I, I think Ole Miss goes in there and pulls the shocker. Um, is LSU going to have a football team by then? That's fair. That's fair. Our Lady of the Lake. So we can get to that's that's a decent segue. I'm going to stick with Alabama. I, no, excuse me, Auburn, <laughs> Auburn, Auburn. Damn it, see you. You got me doing Auburn and Vanderbilt. Uh, anyone that listens to this, I did not pick Ole Miss to beat Alabama. I promise. Um, yeah. Alabama to be, Ole Miss to beat Alabama. You know what? I might just make some waves, get the viewership up on this thing. I might just squat hey, on that. Book hey, it. Ole, Alabama, uh, Ole Miss over Alabama. About three touchdowns. Yeah, re-embrace the mayhem. Um, So, that's kind of another thing I wanted to get into. This Our Lady of the Lake thing with LSU. Holy What's shit. Bad, yeah, not great. Not not great. <laughs> um. Yeah, so anytime you take money from a hospital to use for football, that's probably not great. No, and, and when that money was designated for uh, children with cancer, that looks even worse. Good God, that's sickening. Um, yeah, and so I was reading some. I was reading a couple of news stories on this yesterday, trying to kind of get a grasp on things. So this super fan booster guy, um, what's his name? Something fumes. Yeah, so he's kind of like your typical like he seems to me like like if you de- if you put college sports booster in a in a dictionary this guy's it like loves to be around coaches like loves kind of being the guy in the football program um and he stole or he embezzled a lot of money from our lady of the lake allegedly five hundred and fifty thousand dollars allegedly 
not trying to get sued here. Uh, uh, okay, but, allegedly he's accused of it, and he's accused of sending about a hundred and eighty thousand dollars to father of former uh, uh, offensive Vidal guard. Alexander. What? Vidal Alexander. Yes. Yes. Um, during from twenty, who played for LSU from twenty twelve to twenty fifteen. So that is LSU using money from a hospital designated for kids with cancer to pay football athletes. Is is that what the going rate for a guard is? Like Jesus Christ! That is Cam Newton money. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, good God, how much did OBJ get? Um, couldn't tell you. I mean, this would suggest more. Um, I say that somewhat tongue in cheek. I don't really know, but this is um. This is interesting when you look at the full scope of what's going on at LSU right now because you have this basketball mess where they're almost un- – I mean, let, let's let's call a spade a spade here. They're almost un- certainly one of those six schools the NCAA says that are about to crack open an investigation to. Oh, yeah. So you yeah, got that going on. You have the Will Wade thing. You have, a, you have their basketball coach on an FBI wiretap talking about a strong-ass offer to a player yep. – and then you have the football program using money from a hospital to pay a recruit. And I'm not about to do like the pearl clutching thing because college athletics is a cesspool. Let's just call it what it is. But like the scope of this could be potentially larger than anything we've seen in a long time. Yeah, that's as dirty as it gets. Um, look, it, look, Ole Miss was look. They, I'm not gonna say they got what they deserved, but Ole Miss did some things that hurt themselves. Uh, from an NCAA standpoint, got pretty hammered. Man, if you don't hammer LSU over this, you you, you have no back. Okay, so this is it, though, right? That's what I wanted to get into. This is kind of it. And you can lump up for the sake of the argument, I'm going to lump the Our Lady of the Lake thing into the basketball thing. Sure. If you're the NCAA and you have, because they're both courts, like this is both the United States judicial they system. They for you. Yeah, no, exactly. That's my point. So. So I'll, I, that's why I feel fine lumping in the Our Lady of the Lake stuff in with the basketball thing. When you have the federal government doing the work for you, the evidence is cut and dry. It's all laid out. If you aren't able to, and I say able to because schools kind of have gotten smart with defense mechanisms and basically putting the double middle fingers in the air and saying, come at us. If you're not able to hammer all of these schools into oblivion, what else, what does the NCAA look like after that? Because... What, and I'm not even saying this from like a conspiracy theory, oh, well, Ole Miss got hammered, you have to do this standpoint. I, that's not my point here. If you don't hammer these schools, how do you have any leg to stand on to hammer anyone else in the sense that, the, like, I don't even mean like like from a morally or optically thing. Like, the playbook's out on you at this point, is it not? The playbook, yeah, but- the playbook on how to get past the NCAA is button everything up, destroy cell phones, cover anything else, whatever you want to call it. You want to call it the Hillary Clinton, Bill Clinton thing? I don't care. Like, you destroy the evidence, you lawyer up, they can't get you. Like, it, is, yeah. isn't the play, if, if they don't get someone on this, isn't the entire playbook out and they're basically powerless? Oh, absolutely, yeah. If they, if they don't hammer LSU over this, well, okay, you say that. So let's just for a minute pretend they don't hammer LSU. What's to stop them from hammering somebody else? Their PR is never going to be good. They can do whatever they want. It's a uh, corrupt yeah. Yes, I'm past that. They don't care about PR. They, 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 yeah. they, they, but that's the point. They, what did they? What's that poor school in Georgia? They just hammered Savannah State. Uh, I'm not sure. I haven't read this actually. Uh, so they're going to continue to pick on like stuff like that. I guess is what you're saying. My point is, if you're a major college athletics program and say they get through and they can't hammer like I, they got to hammer all six. If you if three of the six get off, the playbook is still out. Like what 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 do you? 
Honestly, like, I'm getting to the point. Say, like, let's say we get through all of this and they don't hammer them, and people are like, "Holy cow, how did they escape that?" If you get hammered by the NCAA after that, that's on you for being an idiot, isn't it? I guess, but in that same vein, what if you do the exact same thing that? All right, let's just pretend again. The LSU doesn't get hammered, and they lawyer up, don't give the NCAA anything. Okay, well, let's say Texas Tech during a few years, they do the same thing: lawyer up, do nothing, don't help. The NCAA can still hammer them. I mean, it's not like because NCAA. Look, trust me, the NCAA doesn't care about precedent. They just kind of do what they feel like. That'd be my kind of point, is for so long, they just do whatever they want. Yeah, I'm just saying, I hear what you're saying, but I think they're going to have to, 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 kind of along the lines of what you're saying, I think they're going to have to pick very small, very vulnerable targets like a Savannah State, because I think when you find these major programs that have the ability to hire very high-powered attorneys, formulate very strong, I guess, defense plans, I don't think they're going to be able to. I mean, anyone with half a... Because anyone with half a brain is going to be able to get off. Well, okay. just, just like these schools did. Look, like, like spare me the Ole Miss thing. Ole Miss didn't get off because they had a fundamental flaw in their strategy at the beginning. Sure. And that's what killed them. So if Ole Miss had handled it like presumably LSU is going to handle it, like schools have handled it in the past, I think Ole Miss would have gotten off even lighter than they did. I guess my point is what's from stopping the NCAA from being inconsistent? They can do whatever they want, though. I understand that, but they can be inconsistent. I think they can be inconsistently like powerless and wrong. Like I think you can get to the point where they do, you can't find the evidence. They don't sue them. Like, like you're basically saying they're going to punish them without evidence. And I don't think with the way they have that whole thing set up with the committee on infractions and that stuff, like they're going to have to find evidence. My point being is, if they're unable to find evidence on this when it's already there, like I just don't see how they're going to find it on anyone else. I think they're. I, I don't think anyone's going to get hammered after that. I. I, I th- firmly believe if they don't like take care of this and like blow this up like I don't I don't think they're going to be able to hammer anyone I don't think they're going to be able to gather the evidence they need to present to the committee on infractions because teams are going to tell them to piss off yeah or teams schools are going to tell them to piss off and they're not going to be able to find any evidence like the evidence they needed to part a lot of the evidence they needed to hammer Ole Miss was given to them by Ole Miss because of a fundamental flaw in their strategy not directly given so if these schools See this but, and see the play. Like the playbook's out. Hear me out for a second. The NCAA passed a regulation, uh, like I think in January, that regulates schools have to cooperate with them, and if they don't, they uh, they can hammer them based on them not cooperating with them. I'm pretty sure that got passed in the legislation. That's fair. I just don't see it. I I, I see it. I like I in my opinion, and I know people keep like I I like. I'm not doing the Miami-North Carolina thing where, like, oh, the NCAA is powerless. Like, I, I genuinely believe that if they don't handle this, I say handle this. I, I'm not, like, rooting for these schools to get hammered because I, I don't give a shit, frankly. I really don't. But from an NCAA standpoint, I'm just saying I, don't, I think if you, if you don't get a pound of flesh out of this, I think, it, like, people look at it differently, and I think they're viewed differently, and I don't think people are, like, like I, I think the days of people being scared of the NCA, they may already be over, but I think they're really going to look at them as just kind of a pest. Like I, I, I think they're going to be looked at as a, incredibly powerless if they don't get this right. Sure, I, I guess I just for me for the NCAA, uh, for me it just kind of there. It feels like there's no checks and balances on that organization. No, they're not. Uh, it's they're, 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 that's the point. 
Like, they're not. They can do it. Like you said, they can do whatever they want. There is no checks and balances. That's why it's a kangaroo court, and that's why co cooperating with a system that is corrupted, a system that is has no checks and balances and really no, like, due process, really. You can call their system, like, you know, it's, it's not fair. So cooperating with that is, is, is big brain stuff. You're not going to let Jeff Bitter live it down, are you? I, I, I just, I, I, look, I, I, I'm going to, I think it's very obvious at this point you're going to call it like you see it. That was a dumb way to handle things. And I'm not trying to, like, just dig it back up again. That's not really my point. But, yes, they don't have checks and balances. And so, do you want to really get into the whole media part of this? Because I don't necessarily, but I do have some thoughts. Uh, the I coverage mean, of it. I'm interested in your thoughts because Dan Wolken not covering this is hilarious. Okay, you go first then. What are, like you 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 like, are you no, falling in the camp of everyone everyone blew up Ole Miss and this was undercovered? Because I'm a little bit different uh, than that, but kind of. I don't think it it's as bad as some are portraying it, but Wolken can piss off with the well. I don't know about dude. You spent three years hammering Ole Miss over look nothing this serious. Let's let's keep it real, like. There was nothing this serious in Ole Miss's allegations, and and Wilkin called it like a literal crime. He, he said crimes were committed regarding Ole Miss, and now we have an actual crime being committed. And my boy Dan has nothing to say. Like I, he's really the only one that. Well, I guess the LSU media is not really covering it, but he's the really the only one that looked hypocritical in all this. Okay, so that's where I'd actually like to dig in here and like. I, I want to be careful here because I don't necessarily want to be critical of local media because I don't think people understand when you work in local media and, like, you have to maintain relationships with these people every day, sure. it's a little more difficult to kind of write the scathing. I'm not saying don't do your job. I'm not saying that. But for these national guys that can kind of swoop in and, like, take a shot from, you know, a long distance away and they don't necessarily have to maintain relationships, so it's different. So I'm not jumping on them for that. Oh, but I yeah. will say for as bad as Ole Miss – Local media here got hammered for the whole NCAA stuff. There hadn't been a damn thing out of the LSU's media contingent. Not, Not a, a damn thing. And, like, Ole Miss is, like, really, the, if you want to talk about what old, the issue with Ole Miss's local media is they were lied to by people around the football program, namely Hugh Freeze. But there's not even anything coming out here. There's no There's no reporting. No. I, I mean. I mean, the, 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 story, the main story I read yesterday was the, LH, the Louisiana Business Report. And to be fair, if Ross Dellinger was still there, there there'd be a story. Um, I'm not calling incompetence. I'm just saying, like, like if you like, for as badly as Ole Miss got, like, I'm not saying that it, it may come out that they may, they may like there there's still plenty of time to cover this. I'm not. I, I really am not being critical of LSU's local media. I know a lot of those people. I like a lot of them. I'm not being critical of that. I'm not saying that. I'm just. It's interesting because Ole Miss so immediately, like the local media here, so immediately just got crushed for not like I guess digging up on this enough, but like. There really hasn't been anything come out of this lo from the local media thing, at least not from the sports side. No, and I'm not, well, I guess we'll see this week. It kind of happened on Friday, but it doesn't really feel like there will be. And my thoughts on the whole, oh, everyone acted like this is the end of the world when Ole Miss did it and now no one's covering this LSU thing, I don't necessarily buy into that because, look, you have to look at every situation with nuance. And... People don't necessarily, I, I don't know if people want to hear this or not, but look, man, when you have a self-righteous guy acting and behaving the way he does and treating media the way he does, people are going to want to see that guy go down. And so I guess my point is, if this was Hugh Freeze, 
down at LSU instead of LSU, instead of Ed Orgeron, and he's doing the you know I'm holier than thou thing and being very defiant and tweeting, please don't slander these young men and their families. It would be handled from a media perspective a lot differently because I think people saw Hugh Freeze as a self-righteous, pompous guy that they really didn't like, like very unlikable, and so. I, like, I, like, there's a fine line between calling it, hey, they had a personal grudge against Ole Miss, and a fine line between saying, hey, this guy's a prick, he doesn't treat people the right way. Like, like it's going to be covered differently based on the way you treat media and the way you treat and the way you handle your business, and Hugh Freeze did not understand that, and I think that's part of it. I mean, from a national media perspective, Forty wrote something, Wetzel wrote something. I'm not really sure who else there is to write stuff besides Dan Walken, and Dan Walken is unprofessional as it gets. I mean, that's established at this point. So, Walken had a personal grudge against Hugh Freeze and against Ole Miss that stemmed back to really, I think, about 2008 when he was at the Commercial Appeal. Um, so, it is what it is. Walken's terrible at his job. And, and well, I mean, I, may, maybe all that's true, and I'm not calling for the under coverage. Like, I, I whatever. I, this, I don't have a dog in this fight. I think it's interesting to read about, but. Like I, I just I see people and I got I got questions from people over the weekend being like, can you believe that this isn't being covered? I'm like, it is being covered, but it would be covered. I feel like by more people more loudly if 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 someone like Hugh like but, Hugh Freeze rubbed people the wrong way, and so like okay. you, like people may have had personal grudges to some degree against Freeze and maybe want to see him go down, but that's his fault. That's his sure. fault for acting like but, an asshole. I mean, there's really no other way to put it. Who's not covering it, though? I mean, were we talking about the LSU beat? Like, from a national media perspective... Right, right. That's why I don't get this narrative. I agree. That's why I don't get this narrative. Like, I'm not the... I hate, like... I don't know. I think it's just mostly Ole Miss fans and that they're mad about stuff. Like, like, like because it felt more public, I guess, when their program was in the public eye. I don't know. I'm not necessarily this is not being covered guy. I'm just merely here pointing out that there's a reason that it may have been covered more aggressively for Ole Miss, and that's because no one liked Hugh Freeze, and that's Hugh Freeze's fault. Dan Walken's bad at his job. Moving on. So what uh, else do we have? Uh, Luke Smith is an American hero. Okay, so that's your thing. I mean, I, I have some thoughts on this as well, but just set the table. Uh, okay, so what was it? The bottom of the eighth, Louisville, uh, Luke Smith pitching for Louisville. He's thrown seven innings, like seven and two-thirds innings, uh, and only given up one run to the best offense in college baseball history. Um, he strikes out Julian and Fonte. And, look, Smith says after the game that Infante didn't say anything to him. If you watch the replay, he very clearly tells Smith, don't look at me. And Smith proceeds to tell him to uh, uh, explore the anatomy of his body multiple times. Um, He says, F you three times walking off the mound, and and the Internet blew up. Um, So, yeah, that's pretty much table setting. Obviously, Louisville gets beat next inning because Dan McDonald doesn't know how to manage pitching staff sometimes. Uh, leaves Smith in and they, they run him off. But to me, it was kind of fun. Yeah, so I have some thoughts on this because, one, I thought it was awesome. Like, that guy was fired up. He's got the nerd specs on. He's got, like, the hair going. Like, he, it was very heat of the moment in a close game. I don't have a problem with this. Like, I just struggle, and I've made this point a couple times on radio in the last couple weeks because stuff that has come up. I get really irritated when we allow 25 to 30 just miserable people on the internet because they have a Twitter account count as, quote, people are outraged. Like, I I just don't get this. 
because, and I'm not saying we shouldn't like bring it up. I, I, like when you texted me yesterday saying you wanted to talk about it, I was like, hell yeah, because I, I, one, I thought it was awesome. Two, I had some thoughts on it as far as like the community thing. But to your point, it was, it was like people are really upset about this. But if you really look at it, were people actually upset or is it just 25 just nobodies on Twitter looking to get mad about something? Because, I don't know, man. You, like, to your point, you said we don't do it in basketball or in baseball and, or basketball and football. It's like, that's be. Like, yeah, we don't, and did it really happen here? Like, my point being is, like, to the people who are actually doing the pearl clutching, like, think about the children. This guy's 21. They're playing in a College World Series. His season's on the line. Like, like if if him saying the F-bob twice at a batter, like, really, like, like offends you that much, then that's your own problem, man. Like, it, I thought it was awesome. That was one of the most exciting moments of the College World Series. He was pissed off. That was a lot of testosterone pumping. He just struck out a dude in a huge moment in the game. I thought it was great. And I think most people think that way. I think my point here is, is like, at what point do we stop doing this? At what point do we stop letting 25 or 30 people just because they have an opinion on a Twitter account count as like, oh, people are outraged? Are they really? Like, did anyone yesterday actually look, or I say yesterday, whenever it was, actually look at that and be like, you know what? That bothers me. My night's ruined. I'm turning the the TV off and I'm going to bed because I don't think that actually affected how anyone went about their night and their weekend. Like people will say they were offended by that. I don't buy it. I'm calling bullshit. I don't think anyone was actually bad about that. I don't think no, that, no. that changed the way anyone went about their weekend. So I wish we would just stop with the fake outrage stuff. No one was actually upset. Like I don't even the people saying like that's classless. Like no, you're not actually upset. You just want to get angry on the internet. Well, okay, but to, to a larger point, I don't want to get into politics or whatever. But isn't that the same case with like politics? Like, yes, it is. No, no, no. This is not. This is not unique to sports. This is how we, as a society, and it's almost. I'm not getting into politics, but it's almost worse in politics because I see stuff on FoxNews.com, on CNN, on wherever where it's like, so and so did this, and people are outraged. Like, are people really outraged or just? 30 angry losers on the internet tweeting about it and so now people think it's a thing because somehow random people's opinion now matters because they have a platform to voice it. Like people's opinion that like common people, random dudes, used to not matter. Like think I'll put it this way. Like one of like one of the people you saw on over the weekend saying it's classless, this kid is classless. Twenty years ago, if that guy doesn't have a social media account, do you really care what his opinion is? You probably don't know who he is. No, I mean that's that's certainly fair, but it's not twenty years ago. I mean we we live in an age of social media. Um, and, and I get what you're saying is, is these people aren't exactly outraged and, and all that, but man, it certainly blew up the internet. And, and but like just just to get off that for a second is do people like do pe- has people ever competed like at a high level? Like these, these kids are and look, let, me and you have both been around Vanderbilt baseball at times. Those guys are fun. Um, so let's not pretend like those guys were innocent in all this as, as, as well. So. The kid got frustrated and, and said, you know, maybe some things that his mother's not proud of. I guess if there's anybody that could have been outraged, I guess it could have been his mom. Uh, my mom would have been very upset at me. But, you know. Uh, Luke Smith, if you're listening to this podcast, I've done far more things to embarrass my mother than that. So you're, you're a good chief. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know. Somebody made a very good point to me when, when somebody was like, oh, think about the children. Dude, if kids can make out what he's saying, like, first of all, if they can make out what he's saying, they're using that word. Second of all, if they're not using that word, then that's on that's the fault is on you as a parent if you think that's a big deal. We actually had that come up on the radio show a while back. So, so we somebody said something. We were covering some kind of story, not covering it, but we were we were talking about some kind of story. And I want to say some guy got busted for something. I don't remember what it was. That's not really important. But like, hey, dad or me or something made some joke about like 
Like, I think I think it was the OBJ thing, maybe, when he got caught with, like, the white powdery substance in his room or something. Yeah. But somebody made a cocaine reference, and we had a guy, we had a guy text into our radio show and be like, geez, y'all got to be careful what you say on air. I'm riding in the car with my five-year-old. I was like, if your five-year-old is understanding cocaine references, then what are we That's talking about here? Yeah, what the hell, like, what the hell is this? Yeah, it's like, that's you're your gonna fault, tell right? me you're gonna give me the about the children. What does your five year old know about cocaine? Like what 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 are we really getting at here? Yeah, and if, and if they do know what cocaine is at the age of thirteen, I mean it's America, of course. They, oh God! So spare me the the save the children stuff. Look, Luke Smith said I saw this on Twitter and they were exactly right. Luke Smith said exactly what we all wanted to say to Vanderbilt baseball. Yeah, no, I, and so look, like, and, and I don't think people, like, I, I just, I struggle to actually take these stories seriously, because it, 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 this came up the other day, and I honestly got really heated on radio, when we were talking about the U.S. women's national team, and they beat that poor country, like, 13 to nothing, <laughs> which was awesome, by the way, um, we've won two World Wars, too, I don't know if you know that, um, but, you got a shirt? Yeah, no, I do not have a shirt, um, but they beat the ever-living hell of them. They were scoring goals. They were dancing. They are having fun. And then, like, it becomes this internet thing that is like, oh, well, they, would, they should have been dancing. Like, is anyone actually offended that they were dancing? Or is it just five people wanting to be miserable on the internet and it turns into a story? Like, was anyone actually back, like, oh, man, I'm really offended by them dancing? Like, I wish they would just, I wish news outlets would cut that out. Like, unless it's someone in a position of power or someone in a position of influence, like, quit letting average, quit letting, you know, Butthole Reb 66 opinion matter on the internet. Like, who cares? Like, who, who cares? Like, why give that opinion credence? Like, you could, like, anyone, literally, some dude walking down the street, I could make him a Twitter account and be like, hey, go get angry at something. And if I did that to enough people about the same subject, there'd be an article on, like, Slate or CNN or something. Like, wow. people are wow. outraged. Like, no, they're not. <laughs> Bill Maher did a fan. I'm not even a big Bill Maher fan, but he did a fantastic segment on this about a year and a half ago. That is like, don't give this credence. Like, don't give the mob credence. Like, we should we should create a fake Twitter account and just tweet stuff like randomly, like Clay Travis and and someone on the other spectrum, and like just just get get offended by everything and see how far it can take off. Well, honestly, I actually saw this from Clay Travis this morning, and I'm not the biggest Clay Travis fan. I think he's a smart dude that goes crazy with dumb stuff sometimes, but. So this is, but this is the perfect example of people caving and, and listening to this, is that the NBA apparently Adam Silver is now done with the term owner. They're going to call them governors. Like, good to see you're frying the big fish, man. Like, who who in the who in their right mind is actually like upset by the term owner? No one. It just became an internet thing. And so if you cave to like the internet is, social media is not even close to real life. Like, there's less than like fifteen percent of the United States population on social media. So if you but businesses continue to cave to this stuff. They continue to like pander to this internet mob that's not really a majority and it it honestly they lose business. It pisses more people off. Like who in their right mind is actually offended that the NBA and all these sports league use the term owners because the guy, spoiler alert, owns the team. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The uh, social media age has kind of just changed everything. So College World Series final starts tonight. You got Vanderbilt in two um, no, actually. I think Van- really? Vanderbilt in three. I think, look, okay. as, as good as Michigan's pitched it, I think there's going to be kind of a, not not like a Duke-type game in the Super Regional, but I think one of these kids is going to throw really well and uh, Michigan's going to get one. And then if you get to a game three, who the hell knows? I think Vanderbilt's going to win. I actually think Michigan gets a game here. I don't think they've gotten enough credit for how well they've pitched it. Oh, they played really well. They're, they're really good. Yeah, no, they are. They are very good. Um... 
and they pitch it really well. So I actually, I, I'm kind of interested to see this. I'll be rooting like I don't really, like I don't root hard for stuff, like really ever. But I'm kind of rooting for Michigan because the, the Vanderbilt thing is just—it's so overplayed. Yeah, and okay. to your point, they don't ever really mention the scholarship bill on the internet. Like, if, think about it this way: if like Alabama and Ole, or Al, I've spared the Ole Miss reference. If Alabama and LSU are playing the game of the century, and it's you know the CBS night game for you know the sixth year in a row, and Alabama gets fifty scholarships compared to LSU's twenty-five, that's probably being talked about on the broadcast. Yeah, that that's what annoys me. And look, I think college baseball has a lot of really good commentators. I think Ben McDonald, Kyle Peterson, Chris Burke, a lot of those guys do a really good job. How is this never mentioned? Like, like it, it, I heard it for the first time, and, and it wasn't really even mentioned on Friday. Uh, Peterson mentioned, he said, you know, I've talked to Tim about, he's talking about Corbin, about Vanderbilt's financial flexibility. Um, and he said, you know, Corbin told me, he's like, well, a lot of people could have had this job. I was the one that took it and was able to maximize that. That's the first time I've ever heard it mentioned. This has been going on 10 years, man. Oh, and that's interesting to me because I didn't hear those comments, but that's Corbin at least acknowledging it. He's like, hey, I was smart enough to make this work. Yeah, I mean, no, it's what uh, Peterson said. Frankly, I think it's kind of irresponsible that national media hasn't asked Corbin about it. It's never, like, he's never given a quote about it. From what I, I, I kind of looked for it the other day. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, like, if, if they win another national championship, does it come up? I would lean no. I don't know, though. Um, because no, everybody likes Corbin. I don't like Corbin. He's a nice, uh, he's a nice guy. He's a bunch of punks, but that's another story. Um. So, yeah, I think I like Vanderbilt in th- in three. I think Michigan gets a game. Um. Davis signed with the Nuggets. I guess I don't know if signed with the right term. Who did? Terrence Davis. Oh yes, yes, yes. Sorry, I almost missed that. Yeah. So, you know, we talked about this on Friday show. He'll get in a camp. He'll get a chance to sh- uh, to prove himself. Like, is there really like obviously he would have liked to hear his name called in the 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 like ceremonial and like just kind of like the the value of like hearing your name called and saying you're an NBA draft pick, but at the same time, is there that big of a difference between it being a second round pick in the NBA draft and being an unsigned free agent? No, not really. Really, at all. Uh, but it's like the novelty of you know getting to put on the hat and hearing your name called. I, I wish for him. He's a nice kid. I he was really great with media always. He seems like a good dude. I, I hope. I was hoping he would get drafted. Or I, I say I, I say that I, I was I was upset for him when he wasn't, and so. I hope he makes it. I hope he does okay. I'm glad he's getting a shot, though. You figure he'd get a shot, though. There was no world where Terrence Davis wasn't going to get a summer league or a training camp invite. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. So, good for TD. I, you know, I'm, I don't know what his odds are making the roster, but he's got a shot. That's a lot more than, than people thought a few years ago. Um, What else do we have? NBA free agency is about a week out. I don't think anything uh, really has changed much. Um, no, he's in the doldrums of summer. Bad. Yeah, the MLB really is. Uh, cool. Coming back to St. Louis was cool. That was cool. Um, I'm trying to think if I'm really shocked by anything in the Major League Baseball. Um, I think I am shocked by, I don't know if, if parody is even the right term here, but man, in the years past, like June 22nd or whatever the hell the day is, um, you usually have like seven teams that are like, uh, okay, like what top five pick are we getting next year? And like... <laughs> Really, other than a couple National League teams? And the Orioles. Don't forget them. Yeah, no, I'm, try- I'm, I'm trying to make sure I have this right. So, like, I mean, I- I'm looking at the National League here. Other than, like, the Giants and the – and obviously the Marlins, like, everyone's kind of in this thing. Yeah. 
Yeah. Even uh, like the Reds. Like the Reds swept the Astros last week, then took the first two in Milwaukee to get to 36 and 38. And like you think, oh, well, they're 36 and 40. But look, they were they lost eight games in a row to start the year and have been three games over 500 teams since. And they're only five games out of the division. Wow. I know. Yeah. But here's the thing. Like, the ML is – there's a lot of parity. It doesn't Los Angeles is going to win the pennant because they're just so much better than everybody else. They won it two years in a row. Uh, I, I don't really think LA is going to get challenged this year in the in the playoffs. Oh, I, I would disagree with that because I think if you catch a team like Atlanta with the front line starting pitching it has, in particular if you add an arm in the pen, if you caught Atlanta in like a DS mm-hmm. where it's a five instead of a seven, I could see it. Maybe, but that bullpen for Atlanta is so bad. Yeah, it is, but I, oh. I, I, it'll be interesting to see what they do with it at the deadline. Um, if, if That's where L.A. is going to probably get better. Is uh, I think they're going to add a bullpen piece. And the Brewers, honestly, I don't think they're playing very good baseball right now, but like they could get, they could stretch it out this summer and get hot. And look, I've I, not kept up probably as much as I should. Hasn't Hayter been kind of, like, not bad, but not himself this year? Um... I mean, his numbers aren't quite as good. He uh, he destroyed the Reds the other night. Um, just yeah. absolutely mowed them down. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I think at the end of the day, though, if you oh, see that, we didn't. We gotta get to Mickey Callaway. Yeah, no, I was about to get to that. Um, <laughs> so Mickey Callaway attacked a reporter. Um, so well, this was actually really interesting. So a buddy of mine, who I did the MLB internship with. Um, about a month ago, took a job covering the Mets for uh, SouthJersey.com. I think I have that website right. I hope I didn't do that wrong. His name's Justin Toscano. Um, he was the D-backs intern when I was there, and so he got a job covering the Mets. And so, like, I see this come out like nationally, and then I was like reading his story on it, and obviously he was in there for it. So this was bizarre. I, so for those of you who have not seen this story, the Mets lost to, at Wrigley yesterday to the Cubs in a game they were leading for most of the game. Um, if they had won it, they would have taken three or four. It was kind of a gut-wrenching loss. Um, he's, uh, Mickey Calloway, who has not had a great managerial year, stuck with Seth Lugo too long. Javi Baez hit a three-run home run. They lose the game. Um, after the game, Calloway was like visibly irked with questions about how he managed the bullpen because, I, honestly, I think he truthfully he knew he screwed up. Um, and then afterwards, Tim Healy of Newsday says, I'll see you tomorrow, Mickey, which is not uncommon so I actually have a couple of thoughts on this. Saying that to a manager because you see them every day is not uncommon. And basically, Mickey Kelly was like, don't be a smartass. And he was kind of like, what? And then he went into, I'm assuming, from the coach's office to the locker to the clubhouse. And Callaway kind of came in and came back at him and started calling him a mother effer. And then Jason Vargas, who seems like a crazy person as is, starts staring at the guy. And to the reporter's credit, he stares back at him because he's like, I guess, doesn't want to back down. And then... Vargas says, I'll knock you the F out, and charges him, and had to be restrained by teammates like he was going to go at him. Um, So just kind of a wild scene there. I don't know what your thoughts are on this. I have a couple. Go ahead. Um, So in the limited time I spent in a clubhouse last year, it's not necessarily uncommon for you to be like, like with Riggleman, it always be like, hey, thanks, Jim, or like see you later, or something like that. I'm not defending Callaway here, but if there's a – pleasantry greeting like departing word phrase that could like be construed as condescending it's see you tomorrow and i don't think the reporter meant anything by it i'm not sticking up for callaway it's totally inexcusable like you can't do that i'm not sticking up for him here but 
he's pissed off after a loss. Like, if there's one, like, him saying, like, if the reporter had been like, all right, thanks, goodbye, or thanks, safe travels, because they're headed to Philly, it can't be construed as that. But if you say, see you tomorrow, I could see where he was reaching. Well, okay, I mean, maybe, but explain to me how that's reaching. Because I don't, I don't guess I really get it. Oh, he's reach. I'm saying he's reaching because he's trying to make something out of like he's trying to say that reporter's being condescending, which he's not. I'm just well, saying I could see where he's reaching as opposed to any other comment. I, I couldn't even like outline a path. Like, see, yeah. there's there's certainly a condescending way to say "see you tomorrow, Mickey." Okay. After after he think about it, he's chapped about questions the whole time. He's snapping back at reporters at one point. They asked him why they didn't go to X reliever, and he kind of snapped back and said, because you would have. So think about this. After a 10-minute testy media scrum, and somebody says, see you tomorrow, Mickey. Like, couldn't Obviously, he didn't mean anything by it, but can't you see how that could be construed? Okay. I, I'm yeah. not, I'm not, I'm, I, again, I'm not sticking up for Callaway. This is a horrible look. You can't do that. I'm just saying, if like the reporter had been like, safe travels, I don't even know where Mickey gets this. Looking at this, Jason Vargas is the least intimidating MLB player to try to tackle on a reporter. Like, obviously, a fight would never happen, but if I had to fight a professional athlete, Jason Vargas would be at the top of the list. And it is just reported at right now that Callaway was not is not going to be fired. They're going to have a front office press conference before their game in Philly today, but he will not be fired. Some people thought this was ugly enough to be fired. He almost got fired at the end of the May. The Mets are a mess. This is basically the gist have of that. Have they been better or something? Is why is he still there? Well, I mean, they're four games under five hundred. They're not completely out of the division yet. Like they've been a little bit better of late. But okay. what does firing Callaway do? No, I I never understood the rationale behind firing him. It's the owner. Um, I've, I've been reading some stuff on this. That like when you have a like I was reading something. I was kind of shocked by this. It was it was a Yahoo article saying there's like distrust between the ownership and the players. And you have an owner that bad where the players in a major league baseball organization are coming to the ballpark every day thinking about ownership. That's not a healthy situation. No, absolutely not. I mean, look, the Wilpons have done a terrible job with that organization. Um, and it's crazy to say that because, like, what, four years ago they were playing in a World Series? But still, I mean, outside of that, it's been pretty pretty dire for uh, the Mets for a while now. Yeah, and that's a bad look for Callaway. You can't do that. Like, you're a major league no. manager. You have to you have to keep your cool. You can't you can't do – I mean, that's a terrible look. And All God right. forbid, like, if Vargas had actually come at the guy, I don't think he probably would have actually hit him. I don't know that, although he does kind of seem like a crazy person. Bad. Yeah, no, 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 I agree. But it's kind of one of those like hold me back, bro, things. But if he had actually gotten to the reporter, that's uh, that's almost like unprecedented in like how bad that would have been. It's a horrible look as is. Um, but like, I get fired over that. Apparently not. No, I mean, it, it, no, I'm saying if Borges hits, dude. Oh, he's released immediately. Oh, you think? If he hits a reporter, yeah, dude. <laughs> you can't do Are that. It, it, it's not a. It's not DeGrom hitting a reporter. They're, they're not actually going to miss him. Right. So, I don't know. The Mets are a mess. Um, that's about all I got today. Did we miss anything? Man, I don't know. We talked for like an hour and a half. Surely not. Yeah. So, if we missed anything, let us know. Um. So, whoa, one thing in closing I'd like to uh, say. So, one, our numbers are still holding good in the doldrum of summer. We thank you for continuing to listen. Um, I like going on SoundCloud and seeing where people are listening from. Um, so like, let us know who you are. Like, email me, like, rippy, R-I-P-P, at supertalk.fm, tweet me, whatever. Like, just let me know where you're listening from and, like, what you like, don't like about the show. Because, again, I've said a couple times, like, we kind of want to make this, 
We kind of want to have this thing as a well-oiled machine ready to come up the ass of the competition, as Chaz Michael Michaels in Blades of Glory would say, by football season. <laughs> I love that movie. Uh, or I think he said Freight Train from Hell. Point being, we want to make this better, like as, be as good as we possibly can as we get to football season and things really kind of kick off for the 2019-20 athletic year. So... I'm interested to see who's listening and where. We're getting listens from a lot of different places. I sent you the pictures the other day of where like people are listening yeah. from, and it's kind of cool to see. So, like, tell me who you are. We have a contingent of Cleveland, Ohio people listening. Like, tell me who you are, and we can talk. Go some yeah, we can talk some Browns or something. I don't know. We've got some California. We've got a lot of Atlanta, some Houston, some Nashville. Just let me know who you are and where you're listening and what you like, don't like about the show. Um, you could really just email me to insult me if you want. I just kind of want to know who you are. Um, so. <laughs> Have you gotten any emails that insulted you lately? Not lately. It's been it's been a while. That was more of like a newspaper thing because your email's next to your byline, so it's more easily accessible. So you know, old guy, old man Jenkins sits down and gets pissed at something you wrote while but, uh, he's reading it in print when, and pecks out an email to you. When you read the DM, did you get any emails that were bad? Oh, all the time. Oh man, that was that was lit. Like getting on the DM email every once a day, you got like two people pissed off at something you didn't write. Yeah, I found with internet radio, like writing and being on the radio, it's more people just tweeting at you and be like, hey, buddy, you suck, um, instead of more of like the email thing. Like, I feel like email is way more print version. But anyway, that's not the point. Point being is uh, thanks for listening. Uh, tell me who you are and where you're listening from, and um, we will kind of shape the show kind of what you all want it to be. Um, so that's all I got for today. You got anything else? Yep. No, that's all I got. We'll be back at it on Wednesday. Um. We might do some college baseball. We might get, like, Fit or Kendall from, like, the College World Series. It might be over at that point. It might be a game three. That might be interesting. We'll do some different stuff, but we'll try to keep you entertained as we hit the dead of summer. And then it'll be SEC Media Day soon, and then it'll be off to the races with football. So, um, for Colin Brister, I am Brian Scott Rippey. Thanks for hanging out with us. And come back on Wednesday. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.